All right, folks, we are recording. We are live on Facebook. Chase Alvin, Simlot. It wasn't a very pretty win. The Buffaloes beat the San Diego State. Uh, what are they? The, the Aztecs. Did you not just say Aztecs? I just kept saying San Diego State the entire time. Um, <laughs> Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't a pretty win. So this this to me oh. this to me is one of those games where if you were at the CU Event Center and you were watching the basketball team play a non-conference opponent the way this team just played, Tad Boyle would walk into the press room red in the face, just annoyed yep. how the game went. And I hope that's what we get out of Carl Durant. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of frustration. No, I think on one side of the ball, there's a lot to be happy about. But on the other side of the ball, there's a good question. Yeah. So Carl Durrell is a little more mild-mannered, I think, in my opinion, than Tad Boyle is. But I don't know him very well. But, yes, you said you, you said that the defense played well, and I, and I would agree with you on that. The defense held up. For most of the game, it was um, San Diego State had 155 total yards. They held them to 76 yards passing. The quarterback, Brookshire, had 50 yards passing. Carson Baker had 26 and the Buffaloes gave up 79 yards on the ground. Not a bad performance defensively for Colorado. And you saw that pick at the end too. Yeah. A little pick from Curtis Appleton. Yeah. Some walk on. I hadn't called his name the entire day until that, those two plays where he broke up the pass and then he got the pick, but a, a great two, two, uh, two play sequence for Curtis Appleton. Yeah, he came in and filled in for Chris Miller, who was injured, uh, I believe, in the second quarter? Maybe third yeah. quarter? I think in the second quarter. Um, and, and filled in fine, obviously, ending up with the interception. Cherry Creek kid. A lot of – there are a few Colorado kids that uh, had big days. But so, Yeah, so, the de- so defensively, the Buffaloes gave up a few big plays, but you were okay with how they played? Oh, yeah. I mean – in, in all fairness, I mean, it was an impressive performance. I'll, I'll give them that, especially uh, the run defense, being able to pretty much stymie that entire rushing attack. Um, I think their leading running back rusher had 18 yards. I know Brookshire had 50 yards, but uh, that was off of basically one play right at the end of the second quarter. And, yeah, their, their rushing defense was impressive. Um, they, they didn't really have to defend the pass much. Brookshire, he didn't offer much as a passer. I imagine that's that's what the Broncos are going to look like tomorrow. <laughs> He's not what you would call an accurate passer. I don't know. Not by any means. Uh, <laughs> 7 of 19 today. Yeah, he, he looked a little incapable throwing the football. And, and I know CU called a wide receiver. Excuse me. The Broncos called a wide receiver off their practice squad to start a quarterback tomorrow. So that was some nice preparation for those Denver Broncos fans. Uh, the double is Colorado football. That's what it's going to look like tomorrow. Well, we are here talking about the Colorado football game. We can worry about the Broncos tomorrow because Lord knows what they will put on the field. But speaking of bad stuff on the field, let's talk about the Colorado offense. Okay. They were fine. Good transition. Were great. Yeah, they were fine. I mean, Jerry Broussard still finishes over 100 yards, had 124 yards. That average, that per carry average, not as high as we've been used to um, during the first two games with Broussard, but still a very nice performance from him. Just didn't seem like the offensive line really brought it today like they had um, no. the last two games. And, and they didn't help Sammy out at all. Uh, the play call- calling was a little questionable. 
They didn't want to really throw the ball downfield at all. Obviously, we don't have the all 22. We can't see how good the coverage is. Um, past 15 yards. But, but they didn't want. They didn't even seem to want to run a play past 10 yards or so. Uh, all of it was just a little bit weird. It felt like a Big Ten football game. I tweeted that out. That's exactly what it felt like. Two offenses that really just didn't want to have a big play. So let's take the take what you just said point by point because um, there was a lot to unpack there. So the offensive line. It seemed like Jarek Broussard was tackled right as soon as he got the handoff quite a few times in this game. It didn't seem like they were getting much of a push. And then on top of that, you've got these bad snaps coming from Kerry Cooch. Yeah, yeah, that's something I didn't even mention um, in my quick little synopsis there. But, yeah, you, very good point. Uh, Kari, he Sorry, was very Kari good Cooch. against Stanford. He was very good against Stanford. Yeah. Uh, and he had a few bad snaps, but nothing too noticeable. And then tonight it just seemed like, it was almost one a drive or a couple times he had like two in a row that ended up killing drives. Uh, he just wasn't, I, I don't even want to say himself because, because we don't know what car he is as a center, but he just wasn't, um, <laughs> he wasn't what, what we, we expected, expected from him. And he, yeah, he didn't help out that run game at all. And obviously he didn't help Sam Neuer at all. Uh, Jarek even filled it, even that, that one that he caught, um, that was supposed to go to Sam yeah. and Jarek just stepped right in front of it and <laughs> took it and ran um, that just seemed like what they had to do tonight. So obviously, CU had. Was, do you think that play was intentional? Now, this is Chase's mentioning that play where uh, where there was a bad snap and Sam Neuer got a hand on it, but Jarek Broussard just ended up taking the snap and running with it. Do you think that was an intentional play, or do you think it was just? No, uh, not at all. Not not with the way that Kush was snapping the ball tonight. Maybe it's a perfect all night. It's a different story, but. Yeah, those I would, balls going anywhere. So. I wouldn't try a um, try a direct snap with a <laughs> with a center that can't even get the snap to the quarterback. Right. It looks right. like we've got a couple of folks uh, joining us here on the, the beauty of that play. I just want to say for those Facebook of us page. at home, the beauty of that play for those of us at home was we had Chance Little's uh, harmonies going on in the middle of that play. So we had some opera in the background, and then all of a sudden, Jack <laughs> catches and runs. It was beautiful. <laughs> well, I did not, I missed that, um, but uh, it sounds like a poetic play nonetheless. Um, we've got a few. We've got a few fans tuning in and watching this with us. We've got um, Shane who says, because of a big fat goose egg on offense for San Diego State, that's why Colorado ended up winning. Yeah, no touchdowns today. We didn't even men mention that in all the No phrase, touchdowns but, offensively yeah. for San Diego State. Right, right, by the San Diego State offense. So great job by the defense today. They really just gave up that one big play um, at the end of the second quarter. And without that, um, they're pretty much timing them for the entire game. Just a really impressive performance. It's it's disappointing, really, that Sam had to throw that ball um, yeah. and put a touchdown on the board for him because the defense <laughs> deserved a giant goose egg on the board. Yeah. Um, so um, we've got a few people watching us. Thank you for your comments, Shane. Rob is also commenting on our Facebook Live. He says that San Diego defense was tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were. And, and we... And they've been like that for a long time. Obviously, Brady Hoke has done a great job with them. Um, he was their defensive line coach last year. They run that 3-3-5 that is kind of difficult to prepare for um, just because you don't see it from a lot of defenses these days. Um, and I was pretty impressed with their defensive line. They had that yeah. one player at, at 99. He was all over the field. 
Um, and they were just able to get a little bit better of a push tonight um, than CU's offensive line. Did the San Diego State defensive line played better than UCLA and Stanford? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, definitely willing to say that. Uh, so give credit to them, but CU's got to do more. They got to be a little bit more yeah. creative. Um, they, they just couldn't get anything. So thank you, Rob and Shane, for your two comments. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, if you are live with us on Buff Stampede's Facebook page, tell us what you think. What did you think about this game? What did you think about the Buffs offensively? What were the issues that you saw? And and, and Chase, you were mentioning uh, Cameron Thomas on the defensive line, number 99. He had 14 mm-hmm. total tackles in this game, 11 of them solo. One sack, three tackles for loss, and he hurried the quarterback three times. That is how you stuff a stat sheet on a defensive uh, for a defensive player. Yeah, three tackles for loss and yeah. three quarterback hurries on top of fourteen tackles. And um, that's quite the game. Yeah, that's quite the game for like a, a pass rushing linebacker. <laughs> um, not even a defensive yeah, a defensive end. Yeah, a defensive he's end. Huge. Cameron Thomas, he's going to be. We're going to get used to saying his name on Sundays. He's definitely a guy. Uh, <laughs> he's 6'5". Yeah. He's 6'5". I, I watched one game. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just saying I watched one game, and I know that guy's going to be playing in the NFL. There's no doubt he, about it. He's 6'5", 265, and he's a sophomore. <laughs> yeah, where do you find those guys if you're San Diego State? I guess I, I'm going to assume he's from the Southern California area, um, but how does that guy not end up? At a power five program, yeah, no, he must have been a pretty, a much smaller. I bet he's he was about fifty pounds lighter in high school. Um, sometimes when those guys are able to have a little bit of a growth spurt, some nutrition. When you've got the the professionals feeding you, you can put on the pounds. Uh, yeah, and, well. you become a a, don, a dominant defensive lineman like yeah. he was tonight. Jason, Jason is uh, Jason is also tuned in on our Facebook live page. He says USC and CU win out. Who represents the South in the Pac-12 championship? And unfortunately, Jason, this is where the Buffs got screwed by this weekend. Because if the Buffaloes and USC both went out, that means USC will get to represent the South in the Pac-12 championship. Colorado will have less conference games than USC does, provided USC doesn't cancel another football game. Right, right. So it all comes down to if USC's able to play for the rest of the season, yeah. which we've seen a lot of double week cancellations. Like it's very possible that USC is not able to play next weekend um, or whatever. So a lot can happen uh, with these last two games. But at the moment, if both teams went out of their Pac-12 games, then it would be CU that would be left out of Pac-12 championship. <laughs> and Jason just responded to us. He said, dang, I think we all agree. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, no, it's- I, I, it was smart by USC. We kind of mentioned this yeah. on the pregame. <laughs> Do you think there, there was some gamesmanship game. involved? Right, because if CU wins, like I, I said earlier, CU, if CU beats USC, they have a one-and-a-half game lead in the Pac-12. Uh, they could lose another game, and they could still win the Pac-12, and now that, that's all gone out the window. Um, and so they have an uphill battle to get there, but uh, – I, I, I still like their chances. I don't think USC is very good. Obviously, it would be nice to have them on the schedule to get to show yeah. them that. But yeah, I hey, still J- like Hey, Jason, thanks for your question and your comment. Um, Shane is back with us, and he said, the first hiccups and the bad snaps were probably caused by how good their defensive line was tonight. 
True, true, very true. Um, definitely put more pressure on CU's offensive line, particularly Card Kutch. Uh, and yeah, when you're nervous about what's happening in front of you, it doesn't make those snaps no. any easier. Uh, but obviously, it would be nice to get a couple of their centers healthy, maybe one or two of them, and not have three centers out at the moment. Um, and so Card Kutch can slide back to left guard. But you got to play with what you have, and especially during the type of season that they have right now. So. So let's get back. Yeah, let's get back to the Buffaloes and how they were offensively because that's what um, we were talking about for a minute here. Colorado, Sam Neuer, I, I could, I think this was not one of his best games. I think that's easy to see from the eye test. He was seventeen for twenty nine, one hundred thirty eight yards passing, one touchdown, and obviously he had the interception. Right. Yeah. Definitely not um, as good as he played in the first two games. He didn't, he didn't try to do too much. He didn't try to force many throws, obviously, besides the one pick six. Um, so he didn't get out of control by any means. It wasn't a frustrating game. I think we've seen that from uh, a certain number 12 over the past few <laughs> years, uh, where, where it just seems like once things start going bad, they spiral out of control. Sam still kept it under control. Um, he, he just didn't have to force many balls down the field. He didn't have to make that many big time yeah. throws. They, they ran the ball pretty much the entire fourth quarter. So he didn't and, have to do much. And, and one thing I did forget to mention is that Sam Neuer also had that one rushing touchdown. So he had the one passing, the one touching. Actually, let's talk about Sam Neuer's two, two passing touchdowns. The first one went to the other team. The second one went to his own team. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm looking at the stat sheet here, and it just says one pass touchdown. I didn't know what you're talking about. Yes, yeah, so the let's talk about the um, – the pass to San Diego State, it was an out route. He was trying to get KD Nixon at the sideline. And um, San Diego State, it was um, Darren Hall was just able to pick it off and take it back to the house. Right, towards the field side. So towards the side um, where the most grass is. So it's the furthest yeah. throw that he had to have on the field. And he just kind of stared him down. It, it, he made it really easy on the cornerback there. Uh, yeah, obviously not a good decision, not a good throw. I, I would like to, I would have liked to see him throughout the game get through his progressions a little bit better. It just seemed like he was stuck on his first read uh, for most of the night, and, and it didn't seem like he was scanning the field. Well, it, 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 I did see him go through his progressions a little bit, but like you said, it, it wasn't. He didn't. He didn't seem like he was taking the time to go to, through and see which receivers were open and maybe to me I think that was another issue with how much pressure he was under all game and that was the defensive line for San Diego State I can't say how good they were enough because they were really right. good today and they really messed up what Colorado was doing offensively and you didn't have Jarek Broussard taking the pressure off of him as much as you had in the previous games I mean Jarek Broussard he did stuff the stat sheet but he was getting maybe two, three yards every play, or he was getting tackled for a loss. Right, right. The run game wasn't much there at all. I have the stats in front of me. Do you know how much they averaged per carry? I'm trying to find that. I, I know Jarek was 3.9, so it had to have been lower. It had to have been around three. And there was just not much of a threat. So it was two and a half. It was two and a half. Okay, yeah. So they just couldn't run much play action at all tonight, which doesn't make Sam's job any easier yeah. uh, there was really no threat of the run and and they just didn't really want to throw the ball downfield or or try it all and a little bit it definitely stopped in the second half but in the first half it felt like he was looking KD Nixon's way a few too many times yeah 
It definitely looked like they were targeting him, trying to get KD Nixon involved. In the second half, you saw more of Brendan Rice. You saw a little bit of Jalen Jackson, who, by the way, caught that shovel pass, which was a great play from Sam Neuer uh, in the end zone. Yeah, so you look at the stat sheet. um, Levante Chenault had six targets, six catches, whereas KD Nixon had seven targets, four catches. And then Demetrius Stanley only had two targets the entire night. Who's been their guy? Right. He's been so dominant. How, how do you not try to get the football into his hands? I, I don't understand. If, if you read my sidebar from last week, I'll plug it again. Um, it was about Dimitri Stanley and how the Buffaloes were relying on him in the first two games. And then you come out here and he is only targeted twice. Yeah, I, I don't understand why you're not trying to get the ball into his hands. We've seen how dynamic of a playmaker he is and how you can utilize his speed, and it just didn't seem like they wanted to get him the football. He made one really nice catch. Um, I think I believe it was on third down, uh, a throw that was kind of low, and, and he was able to haul in for the first down right near yeah. the first down marker. I, they didn't want to get him the ball that much, I, and I don't understand. No, I don't think they called his number very many times. Um, Levante Chenault also made a great catch on third down where – Neuer scrambled, he rolled out to his left, and then Levante had to jump, I'd say, six or seven inches into the air. I don't know. I was all the way up here, so I couldn't tell the depth as much, but it looked like he really got up high to catch that pass. Yeah, he had an impressive game pretty much throughout the night. Obviously, yeah. six targets, six catches. Um, that's about as good as, as you can get it. Uh, he had 10.7 yards on average per catch, so just a good night overall for Vontae. It seems like it's pretty clear who the top wide receivers are on this football team. We knew it was pretty deep, but through the first three games, and Levante was out uh, for the first one against UCLA, but it seems like it's pretty clear. It's Levante Chanel, it's Dimitri Stanley, and then really the, the other playmaker has been Brendan Rice, but uh, KD Nixon as well. It just seems like Maurice Bell, and we didn't even see Daniel Arias at all tonight, no. uh, have kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, if you are watching us on the Buff Stampede Facebook page, if you are live, tell us what you think. Tell us what you thought about this game. Tell us your top three wide receivers for Colorado um, this year. Who do you think? Do you agree with Chase that it's uh, that it's uh, Dimitri Stanley, that it's Levante Chenault, and then it's kind of a toss-up between Maurice Bell and KD Nixon? Or who else? Yeah, Brendan you? Rice, too. Or Brendan Rice, him. yeah. Who else do you think has made – some good plays for Colorado. Let's talk now about the running backs because we saw Jarek Broussard get most of the carries. Joe Davis would spell him. Joe Davis had seven carries for 10 yards. Carl Durrell said that it would be whichever running back earned the job would get the carries today during that bye week. And I guess Jaron Mangum was not one of them. I, I guess not. I, you were at the game, so you might have a better idea than me. Um, like if he was on the sidelines, if he was there ready to go. But uh, yeah, weird that they didn't even, he wasn't even on the field. I didn't even notice him on the field. Like, no, there not at all. Um, so he's definitely, it seems like he's fallen behind Joe Davis. They wanted to utilize Joe Davis in the red zone tonight. Um, it seemed like they took Jared Broussard out <laughs> completely on the red zone and went with Joe Davis. Uh, definitely questionable there. I, I don't yeah. fully understand what that was. Joe Davis didn't look great. Uh, ended up averaging 1.4 yards per carry. Just doesn't seem like there's a, a second running back that they really liked there. No. Uh, Megan basically did the same thing when he had that opportunity. It, it might be time to start trying out a shot Clayton, start giving him some more carries um, and see if that ends up working out. But, uh, oh, 
Quick shout-out, Jaylee Stacks got in there for a play on the red zone. It seemed like he might have gotten the ball, but Sam Neuer ended up fumbling it. Yeah. It's cool to see Jaylee out there. Really, he's massive. I mean, the dude is, what, 235? Was he, uh, was he lined up as a fullback on that play? Yeah, he, he lined yeah. up as a fullback. Um, I believe Joe Davis was behind him. And I was excited. <laughs> I was hoping he was going to get the football because I really liked him in high school. He was the Colorado uh, Gatorade Football Player of the Year. Last year, uh, out of Cherry Creek, obviously, they won the state championship. I think he can be a very capable back, especially with how big he is. Um, just offers a little bit of a different dynamic. So they have guys there, but I don't. I just don't think there's been a second guy that has come out and, and shown that he should be the second guy. And Jarek Broussard no. is very deserving of 30-plus carries at this point. Yeah, um, just worried about wearing him out. He's not a very big guy. You know, so if he's taking a pounding all game. It, it helps that they're probably only going to play, what, six games this season? Yeah. Maybe seven and you got an extra bye week here, so. Right. Time to right. recover, lick your wounds. Last weekend. Um, but I'd imagine if it was a 12-game season and they were playing every week that we wouldn't see a guy like Jared Broussard get 30-plus yeah. games tonight. So, so we talked a little bit about this, but let's talk about play calling because last game against Stanford, you were not happy with how Darren Cheverini was calling the plays towards the end of the game. You thought they had gone too, um, too conservative. And in okay. this game, did they seem like what was going, it seemed to me like the Buffaloes couldn't get a rhythm going offensively besides their two touchdown drives. And one of them was really helped out by penalties. Yeah. So the play calling didn't change. It was still conservative, but there's a little caveat there that Stanford's offense late in the game was really starting to roll and Colorado was really struggling to stop them in that fourth quarter. Um, so you, I, I just didn't want to keep putting the ball in their hands. Uh, tonight, I didn't really care if San Diego State had the ball. I knew they weren't going to do anything with it. Um, so that changes things quite a bit. It, it makes it uh, – I'm more willing to accept them – running the football a bunch in the fourth quarter on practically every play. I, I mean, you could just call it out that it was expected um, just because the defense was playing so well. And as long as they punted, as long as they pinned them deep, that it was going to be fine. Uh, it, it's still conservative. I would still like to see them change some things up, get a little bit more creative. But I, there's also an argument for, hey, maybe Jeff wanted to hide some things. Maybe he doesn't want to show uh, uh, his, the next Don't want to bring the whole play. playbook out against San Diego State. Right, right. And yeah. what was working wasn't really working offensively, but at least running the football and getting yeah. the ball back to San Diego State was working. And only the one turnover, which was the interception from Sam Neuer. Um, we, we talked about the, um, the, the, the preparation for San Diego State. This team really had to start preparing for San Diego State starting Thursday, right? It wasn't before that that we knew that they wouldn't be playing USC. So all week they were fired up to play USC, and then all of a sudden they switch and they're playing San Diego State. To you, did it seem like that had an impact on today's game? Uh, well, not necessarily defensively. I mean, it was yeah, well, yeah. ready to play. Uh, maybe on the offensive side of things, it, it might have. They just weren't exactly ready um, for what San Diego State was going to bring. And I, I think it goes back to the offensive line, that the offensive line just didn't look um, like they had in the first two games. And a lot of that might just be because they weren't prepared for the looks that San Diego State was going to give them, especially with that 3-3-5 defense. They can mix a lot of things up um, because 
it, it doesn't look the same every play. And, and that might have caused the offensive line some problems, but you, you should still be able to game plan um, to be able to score points against a team like that. So let's um, let's talk about because we always do this. We always have to talk about coaching decisions. That's what you do in a post game show. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Do you think the Buffs? There was one drive where they had the ball on a fourth down and one, I think, and they decided to punt towards the end of the game. Would you have done that? I think so. Like I yeah. like I said earlier about the whole conservative play calling part of it. If you were putting the ball in San Diego State's hands and you were pinning them deep. Um, you were going to be fine. They weren't going to drive all the way down the field. They didn't have anything tonight. Um, and Colorado's defense was playing that good. It, it's like, um, I don't know how much Big Ten football you watch, Vinay, but if you watch a team like Northwestern play Wisconsin, it's a, it's a field possession battle. And if, as, it doesn't matter if it's fourth and one. You're going to punt the ball because you know that your defense is probably going to stop them. And, and if you can just keep on improving your field position throughout the game then you're going to end up winning that game. Um, and that's just what it felt like tonight. Is It was a, a field position battle. And as long as San Diego State was able to start the ball um, on their own half, they weren't going to get anywhere. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we in the Pac-12 are not used to watching Big 12 uh, football. I grew up um, re- watching Maryland Terps football and then Clemson Tigers football. <laughs> So I got both ends. Well, uh, obviously, when you were growing up, Maryland wasn't in the Big Ten, but they are now, yeah. and they are looking like a Big Ten team. I didn't see the final score of that game, but I did check it at some point today. It was in the third quarter, and it was 7-3. to three. So that gives you a, a pretty good idea Yeah, what that type of football is. Well, I'm watching the Tums tip-off week over here on the Pac-12 Network. That's what I've got on in the booth here. So I wouldn't know what's going on in the rest of the football world. Hey, we've got some hot takes coming in. We've got a hot take from Shane. Our pal Shane says the punter was their best player outside of the D line. Chase respond. Uh, I mean, you got to give more credit to a lot of the players (laughs) outside the D line. I mean, Nate Landon was the best player on the field today. That was pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Besides that, you could give a, a lot of credit to a lot of players on defense. Now, maybe Josh Watts, the punter, uh, you might be able to say he was a player on offense tonight. I, I, it might be hard to argue against that. Maybe Jarek Broussard. Um, but, yeah, there were a lot of players on defense. Just, just to play By devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You go first. Just to okay, play okay. devil's advocate, Josh Watts punted with his with his heels basically on the line at the back of the end zone. And he let off a beautiful punt there. Didn't make any mistakes. So yes, Josh Watts to me did have a good game. He, um, yeah, that, that punt was, was okay. Well, where did San Diego state end up starting with the ball? Like on their 40 or something? At their 40 yard line. 40, yeah, yeah. Yeah. CU's 41. Um, so yeah, not great field position, obviously. Uh, he averaged 38.4, which really isn't great at elevation. Um, by any means, we did have four punts inside the 20 tonight out of his eight. So a very good number there. Uh, he's a very capable punter. I've been happy with uh, what he's been able to do. Well, I, I think I think Shane's comment is more about how badly the offense played than right. about the how good Josh Watts was. Well, I, I love uh, breaking down the specialists. Man. That, that's one thing about me. I, yeah. I respect the brand. For the brand. I am for the brand. Um, so we could talk punters all day, but yes, the offense, uh, 
I think there is an argument to be made that Josh Watts is the best player on offense. Well, Shane, we appreciate the hot take. We appreciate uh, you commenting, you getting our discussion going here about punters because we would not have touched on the punter if it weren't for your comment. But thank you. How about uh, Davis Price? Pretty good day for yes. or Evan Price. Excuse me. Got the, got the wrong brother there. Um, got Evan the wrong Price. Price. Uh, 41 and 36 were his two makes today. Yeah. Nice two for two. And obviously hit the extra point or both extra points as well. So let's look at um, let's look over our predictions for the game because I predicted that the Buffaloes would score forty five points. I was nowhere near correct. Now they don't matter. Nobody thinks that they matter. Look, I've got a schedule written over here, and we are going to talk about predictions, Chase. No, what, what was it's, your prediction? They're all fake. They don't matter. I, I don't <laughs> even remember. Chase said that the Buffaloes would no, lose 35 to 34. And Chase, now that the Buffaloes won today, can we guess that your next prediction will also have the Buffs losing? Yes. I, I haven't even looked ahead to next week. Is it Arizona? Is that right? You know, I, I, I've got to get I've got to check on that for you. Let me double okay, check so just to make sure I'm telling right, you the right thing. I'm I'm on to Arizona State for basketball, so that's that's what I'm thinking about right now. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know if the basketball team's going to play, but um, yeah, I'm definitely going to pick against the Buffs. I'm picking against the Buffs for the rest of the year, and hopefully, I don't have to shave my beard for the rest of this season. As well. <laughs> okay, so we've got a couple of scheduling questions as I pull up the Buffalo's schedule. They are rounding out the schedule uh, for their last three games, last two games against Arizona at Arizona next week. Um, and then against Utah here at home on December 11th. That's a Friday night game. You know, Friday night games are a lot of fun when there are fans here. Today was really surreal. Today was weird. Was it, yeah, there's, was it, it feel like different than the UCLA game, the opener? Oh, absolutely. So on the UCLA game, there were fans. There were ticket counters everywhere. You had the normal stuff that you would expect for a football game. Today, I walked onto campus and there was nothing around the football field. I mean, the gates were locked the way they normally are during, during, during just a week when there's no football game. And then there was one entrance for the media, and that's it. And we were the only ones here. And so you've got on like third downs and fourth downs on the Buff Vision board, they're saying, make some noise. They're yelling at their fans to make some noise, and there's no one out here. And the weird thing about What's the crowd is... Yeah. Was Brian and Adam making some noise in the brass box? <laughs> I think that's I don't think that's allowed. <laughs> um no, they I don't think, I, well, I couldn't hear any um any noise, any crowd noise for from Brian and Adam. I'm two floors above them though. Um, but the crowd noise that they were pumping in, it was a little delayed. And I know it's so tough to get crowd noise pumped in. And Buff Vision is doing a great job with the women's basketball and the football game that happened here. But it was just a weird, weird situation here at, at Folsom Field. I don't know how it played on TV, though. Uh, it's tough to tell on TV. It, yeah. you, you basically just listen to the announcers. They did have a few panouts of the stadium um, that looked weird. But other than that, it, it's pretty much normal. I'm used to watching football like that at this point. Um, except you go and turn on like the Texas A&M LSU game. 
Yeah. <laughs> you go and turn on the Texas A&M LSU game right now, and, and there's probably at least 30, 40 fans in, in that stadium. So we've got some questions coming in. We've got a couple of scheduling questions coming in that I wanted to touch on real quick. So the Buffaloes are playing Arizona next week and then Utah after that, and that's the end of the season for them. Um, Shane, who, who's been um, – Shane said this in an earlier comment. He said teams – who are not able to play, he's talking about USC, should have to forfeit, and Colorado should have gotten the win for that. Are you asking for my take? I am asking for your take. Uh, That's what we call a toss in the business. It's what we call a setup. Well, that's a tough position. That's that's a tough spot for me to have a take Um, because I kind of see both sides of it. I think that if you have corona problems, it's not necessarily your fault. There are obviously precautions that you can take to avoid that, but it's not always your fault. Just those types of things can happen. Um, And and I don't think that those those teams that are harmed by coronavirus should be uh, harmed and have to forfeit. But I also see the other side of it, and and it's the conference implications. It's not necessarily the record. And I don't think that CU should get a win against USC and become bowl eligible. Um, like that, just because USC has the corona, they yeah. should have to win on the field for those types of things. But when you bring in the whole conference discussion and who's playing um, in the Pac-12 championship and the fact that USC could win out and CU could win out and USC's playing in it, although USC couldn't play against CU, then yeah. that doesn't make any sense. So I think there has to be some conference implications when those types of things happen. But uh, I, I'm, I don't think of an out-and-out forfeit you look really cold. Is it cold? cold oh, it is freezing here. Um, we'll touch on that in a second. But <laughs> I think I think to your point, it's difficult for me because you're asking all of these players to go to class to still be students. And here at CU, we had in-person classes till November 16th. And you're asking them to be around all these people. And then the the way that the world is right now, or at least this country is that there is so much virus around everywhere, right? We've got, we've got spikes all over the place where I, I don't know how you can decide that it's their fault and they should be punished for it. But if it's a situation like the Ravens where the strength coach knows that he has the virus and he's still showing up to the facility, or, or I don't know what the exact TikTok of that is, but that to me is irresponsible. And in that situation, I, I'm okay with it if the team is punished. If you're, yeah, if there are irresponsible activities and something's going on that is very clear and obvious, then I understand it. But yeah. a lot of times you just can't put the full blame on the players for something like that happening. Okay, the next question came from, oh, I lost it. I had a question. I'm sorry. It's from Rob who says, now that we're bowl eligible, what bowl are we looking at? Oh, Rob, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. I think if the Buffs went out, they're playing the Alamo Bowl. I I did see that. Um, There's a chance that a lot of these bowls are canceled and that they end up (laughs) only playing the bowls. So let's pump the brakes a little bit on bowl eligible. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you think think the the bowl would be canceled? Just because we've already seen a lot of these bowl games get canceled. Oh, okay. Uh, It's very difficult to fund them right now. Um, because you don't have all the fans coming into town, which usually pays for a lot of it, ticket sales, all that types of stuff. 
Um, so we've already seen a lot get canceled, and I won't be surprised if more and more get, do get canceled as we get closer to December. And so I, I want to pump the brakes on this whole bowl eligibility thing. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's watch them win a couple more games. Let's hear it confirmed that they're playing somewhere. We've seen buff stuff happen before, um, and we don't <laughs> yeah. want to have <laughs> Thank you happen. for censoring that, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but, I mean, at this point, they could be playing in something like the Alamo yeah. Bowl. Um, again, I think that would be sweet. Or or maybe a little bit below that, like a Sun Bowl um, or something along those lines. But yeah, let, let's pump the brakes. Let's, let's show All right. I'm sorry, Rob. Let's pump the brakes is what Chase is saying. I say let's let's talk about the bowl eligibility. It's been a couple years for us here since we've been bowl eligible. All right. Justin wants to know, uh, well, Justin first said, if USC represents, I'll be upset if we went out. I would be too. Yeah. Yeah, I think we would all, we would all be upset. Um, we might want to take our pitchforks to the Pac-12 offices. <laughs> yeah. Protest. So we, we want some, yeah, we want some we want some justice because that would be very unfair if that was the case. Um Justin also had a question. He said, Was Neuer bad or was their defense that good? Offense seemed off. Was it because of play calling? I think it was their defense. I think it was their defensive line. And I think all of the things can be true at once. Yes. I think it was a combination of a lot of things. Um their defensive line was really good. Offensive play calling was definitely off tonight. Uh, it seemed like it was kind of off from the get-go. Uh, confidence and all of that that we've seen them play with in the first two games was off. Uh, so I just think a lot of things were off, and it was a combination of a lot of factors. Yeah, quite a few factors coming together. I think, again, the, the defensive line, there's not enough that we can say about Cameron Thomas, who was just dominating on the defensive line today. And and I think it really did affect Colorado. It really did affect Sam Neuer. Um, he didn't crumble like we've seen uh, uh, other quarterbacks do here at Colorado, but it seemed like he had a 12, good game. What's up? A certain number 12. A certain number. Are, are we talking about Tom Brady? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, th- so those those were all the points I wanted to touch on. Chase, uh, any final thoughts for this game? Well, there is one thing. Yeah, good teams. Good teams win. Great teams cover. CU is now three and zero against the spread on the season, making a lot of CU alums money right now. Uh, <laughs> maybe CU students as well. Uh, so I know everybody's happy about that. What 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 does that mean that they're covering the spread? Just for my edification. So, uh, well, CU was an underdog in the first two games. So all they had, it, once they won, that's technically covering the spread. When okay. you're the favorite, they were a five-point favorite today. They have to win by at least five points um, in order to cover the spread. Mm-hmm. That's what you bet. Colorado minus five on your ticket. You need them to win uh, by five. So once that hits, um, all these CU alums are able to cash them. Yeah, well, they did. They did cover. I guess they won by more than five. The Buffaloes ended up winning, twenty to ten against San Diego State. A quick turn for Colorado on Thursday. We found out the Buffs would be playing San Diego State instead of playing USC as they were originally scheduled because USC had some COVID issues. Levante Chenault led all the receivers with six catches for sixty-four yards. Sam Neuer seventeen for twenty-nine, one hundred thirty-eight yards. Jarek Broussard thirty-two rushes for a hundred. 
24 yards. Nate Landman doing it again on the defensive end. 11 total tackles, nine solo, three sacks, three, three and a half tackles for loss, and a one pass breakup. Again, another win for Colorado. They moved to 3-0 and on the season and possible bowl eligibility. We want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Buff Stampede postgame podcast for the Buffs as they win again. Another victory Saturday for the Buffs. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Shane, for uh, commenting, for telling us your thoughts, and for, for staying out uh, with us here on our Buff Stampede live stream on Facebook. Go get warm, Benet. Go get under a heater. <laughs> so bad for you.